Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Ruby for All. Julie, what's up? Hey, Andrew. How are you? I am good and rested. I had a long weekend, some vacation, did a lot of stuff with some friends who came to town. So I'm feeling I'm feeling good. I saw some of your pictures on Twitter. Yep, I did a lot of adventuring this weekend and just spent a lot of time outside, did some hiking, felt felt great. And then this week I'm going to LA for the Rails SASConf. So that'll be fun. I'm jealous I didn't buy my ticket to go. Yeah, I think, I mean, there was, it seemed like a lot of people were trying to find tickets. Like they got snapped up pretty quickly. So yeah, I'm excited to see what it's all about. Excited to go to LA for my first time. Oh, it's going to be your first time? Yeah. Welcome to California. Yeah, I am. I have not, I don't know if I've ever been to California. So uh, first time. Cool. Well, at work this week, so at work, I picked up a ticket that was pointed a three, which meant that it was moderately complex. However, I had no context in the code base and I had to do some research. Have you ever felt that you were picking up a ticket that had a certain point, but it took you a lot longer because you had to do some research? Yeah, that's happened to me a lot. I think it, it depends on the company. Some companies are just fine with that, that there's like this part at the beginning where the developer has to like figure out the context and figure out the code and, you know, this and that. And I think for a lot of tickets, like I'm on support this week, so this is a good question, but I think for a lot of tickets, if your company does a lot of work upfront to like make it easier to find things, like they have really good documentation or the code base is well-documented or, you know, this or that, then that can cut down on the time required to do it. But what I tend to do is if I figure out like this ticket has like a bunch of research, like it's not just me like needing to figure out what has to happen, but there's like actual research into what's happening and to like maybe what the actual fix is before implementing the actual fix then I might split that ticket off into a separate one and have one ticket for investigation and one for the actual fix. And I think that's what we're, we're doing at Podia pretty well as well. And that's not what I've done at previous companies. So I very much enjoy that process a lot better of like, okay, there's this thing happening. We don't know what's happening. So before we're like, hey, yo, go fix it. Like, here's a task for someone to go figure out what's happening, document all what's happening. And then either that person or the next person the in support that week can pick it up and work with it. Nice. The reason why I brought this up is I started feeling very imposter syndrome-y, if that's a word, because I was spending weeks on this ticket where I had to kind of do some research. And I told my manager that I was feeling pretty unproductive because I wasn't, I'm still working on the ticket. And so splitting it out to a spike might have helped with the uh, feeling productive, but ties into our topic pretty well today. We were going to talk about imposter syndrome. So Andrew, how would you describe imposter syndrome? I'm going to read the definition before I describe what it feels like. So we can have like a baseline kind of moving forward. And according to Wikipedia, imposter syndrome is a psychological occurrence in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments, and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. I have a lot of experience with this. I think a lot of developers do. I've not really met any that have never experienced it. So I think everyone kind of goes through it. But for me, it's this feeling like that you're not good enough and that you don't deserve to be where you're at and that eventually people are going to discover that you're not as good as they think you are and they're going to like fire you or something. And I go through that quite often. It's not always related to work, right? It could be related to producing this podcast. Like I feel like I'm not good enough 
I like procrastinate. I like don't want to do it. I'm afraid that people will look at me differently if it comes out the wrong way or this or that. So like, it's not just about like your coding at work. It can be about lots and lots of stuff, but yes, that's, that's what it is for me. So what is it for you? That's a really good point that it's not just at work, but I have started feeling it quite a bit at work recently, as I mentioned to you that I had gotten a recent promotion. And so I'm starting to feel like I need to step up my game, but I keep forgetting that they've already seen me produce at the level that I'm currently at. And that's why I got the promotion. It's hard for me to get that out of my head that like, I'm already doing it. I don't need to work my butt off to prove something right now. So I guess part of that ticket that I picked up, it, it was a back-end ticket. So it wasn't even a front-end ticket. It was a back-end ticket. And it was just a very complicated code base. And yeah, I started feeling very imposter syndrome. Yeah. I like what you said there about you got this promotion, right? And now you feel like your output needs to change. And that's usually where I experience it. Like one time I, I left a company for a while and you know went to a few other companies, but then I eventually came back. And when I came back, I was at a much higher pay rate uh, just because of the experience that I garnered while I was away. And I felt a lot of imposter syndrome because I was like, how am I supposed to be able to like, like they're paying me this amount. And I know like in, in general, kind of the idea of like what my coworkers are getting paid is like, now I feel all this pressure to like perform at this insanely high level, even though that's not why they, they brought me back because they I knew like the code base and they needed someone to get in there. Right. And so that's not like, I felt all this pressure though, but for, for what reason, right. No one ever told me, Hey, like now that you're back, like we expect this uh, insane amount of output from you. It was just me putting that on myself. Yeah. So how do you overcome or manage your imposter syndrome? I think like what you said, like you kind of tell yourself, you, you have to first recognize that the thought is there, right. I mean, we talked about, we've talked about this in previous episodes. So like, okay, I'm having imposter syndrome. Maybe it starts off like, I feel like I'm not good enough or I feel like I'm a fraud. And then you kind of work yourself backwards. It's like, okay, why do I feel like this? Which is what you were talking about earlier. Like, oh, I, I realize it's because I've got this promotion and I feel like more pressure to like have more output, right? And so if you can realize that, then you can kind of start thinking, okay, well, like now what? Like, is it is this feeling justified, right? Because maybe it is justified. Maybe you should be putting out more than you are. But that's a question that you can then bring to your manager, or your boss, or whomever, your mentor, and be like, hey, this is, I feel like this. And then maybe they can clarify, especially if it's around like a promotion like yours. It's like, hey, like I feel like all this pressure to like put out so much more because now I'm at now I'm at this level. And they may like quickly dispel that in your head and be like, oh no, that's not like why we promoted you, like blah, blah, blah. Or maybe that is, right? Like who knows? But the only way to know is to ask. So that's one thing I try to do. I guess the other thing is just like, once you realize that everyone goes through it and it's kind of normal, it carries like less weight in your brain. It's like, oh, I'm going through this again. And I know this isn't true. I'm a great developer, all these reasons, blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of just like tell yourself like almost like affirmations, like, cause you're, you're, you know, it's, you're not dumb. You're not stupid. Like, and you can like measure your own output to see if your output is actually poor or not. And yeah. And then going and talking to the people who are actually the ones in charge of evaluating your performance and asking them, like, do I need to improve? What about you? 
I like what you said about going to the person who evaluates you, because I think another imposter syndrome feeling that I've felt is how I've been doing on this podcast. And part of why I had reached out to the community and asked our listeners if they had any feedback and what they would want us to do more of. One of the reasons I was feeling imposter syndrome is I didn't know how you felt about how we've been doing. And just before the show, Andrew, I had a chance to talk with you about it. And now I feel so much better. And I don't usually share this, but I'm actually less nervous now. And I feel like going straight to the source and finding out from the person who may have an opinion about you and getting that opinion helps you kind of move on from that imposter syndrome. Yeah. There's no like blank space for your brain to just take up and just run, especially when you have like ADHD. And that's, that's what I thought of when you're talking about your ticket earlier. It's like when you like have all this like investigative work in front of you, like your brain is like, okay, what direction should I go? And it starts going in like every direction at the exact same time. And it's the kind of the same thing when the positive term is like, once you like have the thought, you start spiraling and you're like, the only way to stop it is to like have someone at the source, like kind of tell you, I feel like, or you just kind of get there on your own. And some people are not great at providing that feedback, right? Because like, I didn't know that you felt like that because I'm not a per like great perceptually at something uh, like, uh, like noticing that. So I wouldn't have known had you not told me. And then once you told me, we got to talk about it and I think we both feel better about it now. Right. And so that's kind of the same thing with like a manager. I did end up talking to my manager last week about how this ticket was taking me a long time. And my manager also kind of suggested, Hey, maybe we could put up a spike ticket, which is like that investigative work type ticket that you had mentioned. And after he mentioned that to me, the imposter syndrome kind of went away because I didn't care about another ticket to document my work. I just cared that my manager knew that I wasn't sitting here doing nothing. So that, right. that also helped. Are there other ways that you kind of manage it? Something else that I do to overcome imposter syndrome, I guess I use my colleagues a lot the ones that kind of know me and know that I tend to ruminate on things like this and they really help get me out of this cycle that I might be in. Yeah, that's a great one. Cause I, 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 Jason has helped me with that a few times where I'll be like, you know, I just don't like, why did you bring me here? Like, I'm not doing that well, like blah, blah, blah. And he's like, what are you talking about? You know? And it's like, it's like that just like singular, like just the stop. It's like someone just puts like a hard stop in your brain and you're like, wait, have I just been thinking about this all wrong? And then all of a sudden you realize like, oh, I, I did it again. <laughs> I let my brain do the thing again. So it can, I don't, I, like I said, I feel like everyone goes through it. And I feel like people who say they don't go through it are lying. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're not, but I have yet to see really anyone not experience it. And I think it's just like a side effect of like, high functioning, high achievers, you know, because you know, like, oh, like I should be going, I think, I think I should be going faster because in your brain, you're like, I know I can go faster maybe, or I don't know why this is causing me trouble. And you kind of ignore like the factors that are like, per, like that are, are causing you trouble. And you only think about the fact that like, oh, but I should be better than this. I am better than this. And that's where, you know, you stop, you stop thinking about the nuance. And you stop giving yourself any grace, right? Because like, if if you if someone else were to ask you that question, 
like uh, like you would not be like no your output's fine like what are you talking about right it's a lot of the times just in your head yeah you know what also really helps is when senior engineers talk about their imposter syndrome because it doesn't feel like it's just me being new into this role yeah i think we all should talk about it right it's just like some of the other topics we've discussed on the show that people are like, oh, I didn't know other people experienced that. Like, yeah, we, we all do. And for like, I'll, just to like touch on that, like for me, it's like, I go through it a decent amount because I am very hard. I'm harder on myself than I would ever be on any, any normal person. I hold myself to like this really high standard. I know I'm smart. I know I'm capable. And when the pieces don't come together, I have like this internal catastrophe. And just start spiraling. And I'm like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Why did they bring me to Podia? I'm not like, I'm not producing what I need to produce. Like, I like, this is embarrassing. Like I am now. And then I get afraid, like what they, they're going to figure it out. Like that. I'm not that good. And then you just start spiraling more and more and more. And then that leads to like more anxiety, more depression, more procrastination. Cause you're like, if I, if I confront this thing, then it's like, you're scared and your brain's like, no, I need to protect us from that like potential pain. So you just avoid it. And then the problem almost like worsens, at least for me. So yeah, I think it is important for seniors to talk about it. Like, because like I keep saying, we all experience it. And so, yeah, the more people will talk about it, the more normalized it can be. Does it help you if I tell you that you are smart enough? <laughs> yes, a little bit. <laughs> it's, I think you probably relate to this. It's like, no matter how many times like you or my boss or like former bosses or former coworkers tell me that it's like in that moment, you forget everything. You forget all of your accomplishments. You forget all of the wins. You forget everything. And so that does remind me of one way I do like to like combat it, which is like writing down your wins. Like maybe the end of the week or the end of the month. Like what wins did I have this week? How am I better than I, like, how am I better now? Like, you know, what did I, was I successful at? And then all of a sudden you start seeing all of these wins and like your failures list is so small and you're like, maybe I'm not that bad. I think this you know? ties in really well with getting uh, my coworkers to lift me up is that they can remember my wins much easier than I can. And it's easy for them to kind of pull me out of this poor cycle. Yeah, because we focus on our failures a lot more than anyone else does. And it's hard to it's hard to remember that. But yeah, our asking coworkers for some advice, some praise maybe. I mean, I don't think people some people may think, "Oh, well that's kind of like vain or arrogant of me to ask that." But I don't think it is. Uh, because if you feel a certain way, then I mean, your feelings are val like valid and justified, right? Because no one has the right to tell you that you shouldn't feel a certain way. So, I feel like it's totally acceptable and fine to ask your core. And I feel like the majority of people are going to be like, oh yeah, like I would be happy to help you with that. And I like, I remember all these wins you've had and I remember like how much better you are than last year, whatever. So yeah, I love that you keep going back to that of like, talk to the people close to you, talk to the people around you, talk to the people who give you feedback. You know what else I did recently? What? I, I was working on my complex thing. And so the tests are very complex. And so I was working on the tests and I was like, I, I don't get this. So I tweeted out, I suck at tests or something along those lines. And the amount of responses stating like tests are hard. Everybody is still learning how to write tests. Like that kind of stopped my negative cycle of thinking that I'm not good enough, like right away. 
and people offered to pair with me. I was like, this, this is amazing. And during the pair, I didn't feel like I was stupid either. Yeah, that's great. It's great when the community can also act as like a buffer for that because testing is hard. Like it, <laughs> I, I don't, it has only been recently in my like four year career that I've been like, okay, I think I finally get testing. And I spent like at least the first two or three years, like, I'm like, I don't understand. Like I, I get it, but like, I don't get it at the same time. And like these different frameworks and like, you know, what's a good test and what's not good to test and all this other stuff. So I feel like, I feel like people struggle with that one for a long time and you are definitely not alone because like, like I said, I, I still struggle with that too sometimes. A former kind of manager of mine had also mentioned to me that they didn't write like good tests in the first three years of their programming career. So yeah. Yeah. It takes a while. It, it's hard, right? Like it, it seems trivial, like, because it's just something that happens every single day, like tests come in and out of your repo, but like, it's hard to write good tests and there's like a science to it almost. So yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people like who make their career off of just talking about testing. So, I mean, it's a, it's hard. Do you think like social media has like an impact on our imposter syndrome? Negatively or positively? Both. I definitely think that it has a positive impact in that like our Ruby community is quick to squash any of my negative thinking. But at the same time, if I'm reading through some feeds and I see these people are working on all these different things and I'm over here having no idea what they're talking about, that sort of leads to my imposter syndrome again. And yeah. I, I don't know. I usually kind of just pretend that I didn't read it to, <laughs> to combat it. How about you? I often find myself thinking how would I have ever known how to build that? Or how, like, how can I ever get to the point where I'll know how to build that? And I don't think that's really fair to myself because like when I need to figure things out, I can. But I, I experience that a lot when I see people doing really cool stuff online and I'm like, I wouldn't have been able to do that. How did they do that? Like, how would I ever, you know, how would I have known how to do that? And it's like, but they were in that position too at some point, right? So I feel like I feel like I should be farther in my farther in my skills and career than I am. And that's not fair because I've only been doing this for four years and I'm comparing myself to people who are doing it like 12, 20 years. Right. So I fall into that a lot of comparing myself with other people. Um, and that definitely does bring about a good deal of imposter syndrome. And it's hard not to. I mean, especially where where I'm at where I'm like, you know, building the Ruby radar newsletter and I'm seeing all this really cool stuff people are putting out. And I'm like, what about my output? And I'm like, it's, it's not where I want it to be. And so I think that comparison is like the death of joy or something like that. Isn't that a quote? Something like that. I think that's I've, where it comes up for me. I have not heard of that quote, but I also haven't heard of many quotes. Comparing yourself to other people is such a hard thing for me to remember not to do because I'm comparing myself all the time at work. I'm technically a backend engineer, but I'm comparing my output to our front end engineers and their seniors. And also I'm still learning front end. So I can't really compare myself to them, but yet I still do. <laughs> I need to remember to not compare myself to them, but to 
look back and compare myself to who I was maybe a year ago. Yeah, it's hard when you're surrounded by really smart people to not compare yourself. But then that's why I try to remember like, but this person's been doing it for 10 years. This person's been doing it for, you know, eight years. Like they've got more than double my experience. And that helps sometimes, but it still like when you're, when you're given a certain title, it can feel like you're supposed to have the same output as someone with that same title, which is not fair or true either. Right. Because different people are good at different things. Different people are at different points of their career path. I mean, and labeling someone who has four years of experience versus someone who has 15 as, with a senior title, that's not really, you know, that can definitely contribute to imposter syndrome. It's like, oh, I should be doing this much, but that's no, and no one expects that from you either, right? It's just your head telling you that. What I do like is being able to reach out to those people and asking them to pair with me so that they can instill some of their knowledge yeah. Uh, much faster than I could on my own. Yeah. That is a great, I think that's what, that's what helps me get over imposter syndrome too. Sometimes it's like, if I can't figure something out and I start pairing with someone and then I start kind of brain dumping, like what's going on, like what I've tried, what I figured out, it makes you realize like, Oh, I'm not, I don't not get this. I do get this. It just took it's like a rubber duck or another person to like pull it out of me. We've kind of talked like we're getting close to the end and we've talked about what it is, how we experience it, what social media has an impact on it. And do you think it's like affected your career at all? Like, do you think if you did not have imposter syndrome, you would be in a different place? I definitely think that if I didn't have imposter syndrome, I probably would have taken more risks. Like, I feel like I may not pick on a ticket because I think it's too hard for me when I probably could have figured it out. How about you? I think it has because there, it just like you said about risk, like there are risks, more risks I would have taken if I didn't have it. And there are times where I've been a lot easier on myself. And when I'm really hard on myself, my brain's like, okay, we got to do something about this. Like, like we're under attack. <laughs> Um, and that leads to me, uh, like, I, I'm one of those types of people that like avoids problems until they become monstrously sized. And then eventually I have to deal with them. So it has affected me in that way of like, if something is causing me like pain internally, I tend to avoid it. Whereas just like you're saying, like, I probably could have done that thing. I probably could have launched that product. I caught I probably could have written that blog post and it's just worrying about you know, maybe people's perception, maybe like I, it's just not up to my own standard. And I think a lot of that is like the imposter syndrome, just talking to you. Well, I think we're kind of at the end. Do you have any more thoughts you want to share with the, the listeners about this who may be struggling with it? Uh, you want to share that you're definitely not alone and to talk about it. Yeah. I want to share that. <laughs> I've said it, I'm going to say it again. Everyone goes through it. If you're a junior and you feel this way, chances are the seniors at your company, some of them are feeling the same way too. And I feel like the more we understand it, the more we can understand each other and kind of meet each other on our, each other's levels. And I think what we've talked about a lot is that like you should confront that like head on, like go ask your coworkers, go ask your boss, go ask the people giving you feedback, go ask your family, go ask your partner, go ask your friends, like they, it, it kind of takes someone else stopping your brain from like continuing down that like twist and turn like rabbit hole 
for you to like be able to pull yourself out of it. And the more and more you experience it, the more and more you'll recognize it and the more and more you'll build up your own internal defenses. But I don't know if it'll ever go away, at least for me. I don't think it'll go away for me. Well, listeners, hopefully it goes away for you. (laughs) (laughs) But if it doesn't, we we're here and we empathize and we understand. So thank you everybody for listening to Ruby for all Julie. Thank you. And everyone else. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks everyone. Bye.